It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. 14 and a half million Levinites out there listening on all platforms in so many ways all over the world. We want to wish you all the best. You know, I've been very critical of Lindsey Graham from time to time. But not on this issue. Not on this issue where he says that he really wishes somebody would step up and take out Putin. Why is he taking incoming for that? When Putin, as I mentioned a few days ago, hired this Wagner group, which is headed by one of his buddies. They're based in the continent of Africa. And they do his assassinations for him. A hit squad. Sort of like a secret SS. And Putin is the king of assassinations. Assassinating journalists. Assassinating political opponents. Assassinating entrepreneurs. Millionaires and billionaires who won't give him a piece of the action or dare to challenge him. Assassinating people all over the world in Washington, D.C., and London, and so forth and so on. Now, I have to admit, I was the first to mention this issue of assassination. That maybe the president of Ukraine ought to be sending out his own hit squads to take out Vladimir Putin. What's fair is fair. What's good for the goose is good for the fascist. So Lindsey Graham tweeted this out the other day that he thought it would be a good idea. And then on Hannity last night, or yesterday, I should say, he also mentioned it. Cut three, Mr. Producer, go. They didn't do this on Trump's watch, Russia, because Trump would have kicked their ass. What's happened is that Putin looks at Biden. He sized him up. He thinks he can get away with it. And he's going to keep going and going and going. And nobody in the West is going to stop him. How does this end? Somebody in Russia has to step up to the plate. Is there Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel Stoppenberg in the <coughs> Russian military? The only way this ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing your country a great service and the world a great service. And I happen to agree with that. I happen to agree with that. Putin doesn't seem to be limited by any notion of tradition or civil uh, society. And so now he comes under attack, Lindsey Graham does, for saying what we're all thinking. Jim Psaki's asked about this at the White House today. Cut four, go. Senator Lindsey Graham said last night that someone ought to assassinate President Putin. Does the White House have any take on that statement? Is it helpful at this point? That is not the position of the United States government and certainly not a statement you'd hear from, come from the mouth of anybody working in this administration. No, because actually it's technically illegal to do it if you're in the executive branch of the United States government. The theory is we don't want our enemy assassinating our leaders either. But when you have an assassin, an assassin in the name of Vladimir Putin, seems to me it changes a little bit, doesn't it? Go ahead. Standing it's not the position of the U.S. government, what Lindsey Graham said last night. What Lindsey Graham did suggest is that uh, there's no peaceful resolution here while Vladimir Putin is still in power in Russia. Does the president share that view? The president believes there uh, continues to be a diplomatic path forward. That Isn't is path- it amazing uh, this war is going on in uh, Europe and we don't know what the president actually believes. And so we have an interpreter. Not somebody who interprets Russian to English, but somebody has to interpret for Biden. What does Biden believe? Huh? Go ahead. Will help resolve what we're seeing on the ground. President Putin has the ability to de-escalate. We have left the door open. Uh, okay, for rambling stupidity. We've left the door open for the man who just fired upon and then seized the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. For the man who's unleashed Chechen assassins against the president of Ukraine. 
for the man who's who's engaged his buddy, the Wagner Group in Africa, to come on over to Ukraine to murder uh, the president of Ukraine. We've left the door open for him, don't you know, to continue diplomacy. How stupid do people have to be? How stupid do they have to be? And again, for the media, I am explaining to you that the reason the so-called 40-mile tank convoy of the Russians hasn't moved is because they don't want to move it yet. It has nothing to do with gasoline, nothing to do with food, nothing to do with air power. They're waiting because the Ukrainians have begged for a no-fly zone. The Ukrainians have begged NATO for planes. They have begged neighboring countries, apart from the NATO processes, for jets, and they can't get them. And I told you I smelled a skunk a few days ago when Poland and some of the other countries offered Ukraine MiG-29s, older fighter jets, but nonetheless, the Ukrainian pilots have MiG-29s, or did, and they know how to fly them. So they go to these countries to, to pick them up and bring them into Ukraine, and all of a sudden, no, you can't take them. Why? Well, I think we know why. Because Biden et al. told them no, because we don't want to escalate this matter. This matter is escalated. And the more appeasement you show in the face of, of aggressive military action like this and assassination attempts and, and war crimes against citizens and all the rest of it, the more appeasement you show the more brutal and aggressive the enemy becomes. Oh, and did I mention, yes, Putin is the enemy. Michael McFaul is the former Obama ambassador to Russia, and he was great, boy. I'm sure he was there when, when Obama, excuse me, when uh, Putin rolled into Crimea and took that. And so, of course, MSLSD a.k.a. MSNBC, decides, let's go to a failed former ambassador for input. Cut five, go. But it is not appropriate to talk about those things in public just for a very simple reason. Uh, that quote will be quoted on Russian national te television ad nauseum, and it will reinforce what Putin tells his people. Oh, that I see. That's the problem. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the death of, of, uh, of Russian soldiers won't reinforce anything. That's right. Cutting off their economy, that won't reinforce anything. Lindsey Graham will reinforce something by what he said. But it's a message to Putin, genius. And the message is, two can die or live by the assassin's bullet. That's the message. Two can die or live by the assassin's bullet. It's not just one country and one president who can enlist assassins to cut off the head of another country. Again, I don't always agree with Lindsey Graham. That's an absolute fact. But on this, I agree with him. I stand with him. And you should too. And you should too. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. These MiG-29s. Our Defense Department says, well, Ukraine doesn't really need them. Doesn't Ukraine know what it needs? 
Do we really need to hear from Austin and Millie and the spokes idiot over there who gave up $85 billion worth of our equipment to the Taliban, which is going to wind up in the hands of many of our enemies? Do we really, do we really need to take these people seriously? And the answer is no. And the amazing thing is, when Donald Trump's president of the United States, he is undermined by leaders at the Pentagon, by generals at the Pentagon, by Milley at the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's undermined by the director of the CIA. He's undermined by, by individuals and in federal law enforcement. But when Biden's in there, they cover up for him completely 100%. Now, what do I mean by that? I've been talking about you know, Mr. Producer said to me before the show, he said, you know, you're able to put these things together. I don't hear these others doing it. I put things together because I worked in the Reagan administration. I understand the bureaucracy. I understand politics. I'm not coming out of sports or coming out of whatever the hell to figure these things out. And so you've got to really think through what's going on, watch what you're being fed, and then get behind it. That is... Read behind it. Read between the lines. First, there's an offer of MiG-29s. Then it's shot down. Then this guy Blinken's on virtually every Sunday show talking about how he's working with our allies to figure out a way to facilitate the transfer of MiG-29s to the Ukrainians. Then all of a sudden... Out of left field, it stops. And the entire government gets behind the administration. All of a sudden, the Defense Department says it's not going to be helpful to the Ukrainians. Well, of course, fighter jets will be helpful to the Ukrainians. It gives them an offensive posture. It gives them the ability to strafe and to attack and to defend. There's no question about it. It's so ridiculous what we're hearing. So preposterous. And then we're told that it not only can't really help them, but Poland surprised the world with its announcement. And besides, we don't want to escalate this into World War III and nuclear weapons. And this has some of my brothers and sisters in the media. This is where they, they began to wet themselves and crumble into, into a mess. Let's start from the beginning. March 1, 2022. This is almost like the, the spying on Trump that we talked about well before anybody else, but it's just a matter of putting these things together. So let's take a look. Ten days ago on Hannity, cut one, go. The fact of the matter is they were going to be MiG-29s, old Russian jets that... Uh, that the Ukrainian pilots were going to get, and they're used to flying those jets. They don't have to be trained because that's the same kind of jets they had. Poland was going to give them to them. Some of the other countries, all of a sudden, it stopped. Well, what happened? I worry about our, our feckless buffoons at the State Department pulling that back. These people want to fight, but they can't fight with their bare hands and rifles and pistols. I mean, they can, but that's not going to win. That was March 1st. The next day on my radio show, right here, March 2nd, cut to go. And something I mentioned on Hannity last night, I don't understand why the MiG-29s that were promised the Ukrainians and their pilots fly MiG-29s. Remember, Ukraine had been conquered by Russia before. I don't understand why they weren't delivered, because all of a sudden Poland and two or three other countries that had them stopped. And I suspect Biden and our State Department. Why? Because I hate Biden? That's quite beside the point. Because Biden is scared to death of triggering something bigger. And what he is incapable of doing is showing deterrence. And of course we learn today that it was Biden who stepped in and prevented the transfer of the MiGs. And not just the MiGs from going to our base in Germany 
to the Ukrainians, but the transfer of the MiGs from NATO or any NATO country wanting to do it on its own, such as Poland. Period. Biden stopped it, just as I surmised nine days ago. It's just like the letter from the National School Board Association that all of a sudden went to the Department of Justice. That it had gone out on a Friday evening, went to the White House, and then the next Monday the Department of Justice acted on it. And I said, no, 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 no. This was a setup. This was a setup by the National School Boards Association working with the Biden administration and working with the teachers' unions. And by God, that's what we have found out. They're sinister. Our enemies, our adversaries are sinister. This is what they do. And so on Wednesday, two days ago, I said this to you. Cut three, go. So now we've gone even further. We don't want the Ukrainian pilots, the Ukrainian Air Force, to even have these mix, regardless of how they might get to Ukraine. And I said last week, I smell a rat. I smelled a rat that it had to be Biden and his administration. That reversed course originally. Going from yes, we want to get the MiG-29s into no. Then later yes, and now of course, definitively I think no. But the first time it was no. And then Sunday, on the Sunday shows, Blinken's talking about how we're working with our allies to figure out how to work that out. No, they weren't. They were never going to give them the MiGs. Now, why am I mentioning this? Because how many more times are we going to hear about the great Joe Biden looking out for America, leading from the front? How many more times are we going to hear this? I want to say another thing to the analysts out there who look at this situation. And I hope you'll watch my show on Sunday, because yet again, I'm going to dig in very deeply and pound away with two brilliant men. General Kellogg, who worked for President Trump, and Richard Goldberg, who's one of the foremost experts on matters relating to Iran. And I don't think you're going to want to miss this show. Two guests, that's it. Not a conga line of guests like everybody else. Two guests, that's it. And my monologue at the beginning of the show. 8 p.m. Sunday, Life, Liberty, and Levin. If you can't watch it live, please go ahead and DVR it. I think it's going to be a crucially important show. And one of the things I recognize is that these Fox shows are aired worldwide. Just as this radio show is worldwide, on the internet and so forth, and my podcast is worldwide, this is worldwide. And that's why it's important to lay the framework. You remember you heard people say that Putin is amassing his army on the borders, That doesn't mean he's going to invade. I'm not going to go back and bore you with the audio from this show. I said, of course he's going to invade. You don't bring 150 to 200,000 infantry with tanks and personnel carriers and all the rest of it. Put them on your border. Destroy all the roads around it as they get there. Feed them. Fuel their vehicles. Because you're putting on a show. I said he was going to invade and he invaded. This is not complicated. The man has told us what he wants to do. Why don't we believe what he wants to do, insane or not? Then this word escalate. You know, when I was a young man and and the first Cold War was going on, we used the word deterrence. We used the word deterrence, not escalate. That we needed to have deterrence against the Soviet Union. We needed to have deterrence against China. We needed to have deterrence all throughout the world to confront our enemies. I never heard the word escalate once. Not once. And this is something I'm going to delve into very, very deeply on Sunday because you're hearing it day and night and day and night. So, as I said the other day, and I want to thank the bank benchers for regurgitating it, so this means now whenever Putin waves around a nuclear weapon, he wins. This means the Ukrainians are not allowed to win because according to Joe Biden and his ilk, 
providing them with the equipment they actually want and need to save their country is escalation. It's not enough. It's not enough to celebrate the bravery of these men and women in Ukraine. It's not enough to pray for them, even though I believe in prayer. God gives us free will. It's not enough. Whether you're facing down Hitler or Stalin or Mao or Xi or Un or Putin, it's not enough. After 6 million Jews that died in the ovens, in mass graves, who were gassed to death, who were experimented on, ask them, oh, I guess you can't, they're not here anymore. Ask the millions of Ukrainians who were slaughtered by Stalin in 1932. Ask them. Oh, I guess you can't. They're not here anymore either. Ask the 50 million Chinese who were slaughtered by Mao. 50 million. Ask them. Oh, I guess you can't. They're dead. Or the 25 million slaughtered by Stalin. Ask them. Ask about this word escalation. And if we are concerned about nukes, why am I not hearing more talk about what the Biden administration is doing with Iran? Why am I not hearing more talk about how we need to take out the regime in Iran in order to protect us so they don't get nukes? They are such a group of radical, fundamentalist zealots that they will use nuclear weapons. Joe Biden is destroying our country, and he's destroying one country after another. I'm sick and tired of the Putin wing of the Republican Party. I am sick and tired of the Putin wing of the media. And I'm sick and tired of the analysts and the others who who rub their hands all over the media, radio, and TV, and in the press, in the, in the written prayer, rub their hands, oh, this is horrible. Oh, this is horrible. Let us pray. Let us hope they get the best and get them whatever weapons they need except the MiG-29s. For some reason, you know, Putin, Putin is now deciding what can and cannot be used on the battlefield. Have you ever seen anything like this in your life? Putin is deciding what can be used on the battlefield? Seriously? I am telling you now, if this keeps up, and if the media in this country keep this up, and if the so-called conservatives in this country keep it up, we will be facing a world war. That this will bleed well beyond Ukraine. It'll bleed into the NATO countries. And you heard what Biden said, not one inch, not one inch. I am telling you now, if this isn't stopped in Ukraine, it will move beyond Ukraine, and we will be facing World War III. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. You are listening to the best of Mark Levin. You know, folks, uh, I listen more than I usually would to the various comments and thoughts, debates, regarding uh, Russia's war and what they're doing in Ukraine and elsewhere. And I get the sense that a lot of these elitist commentators, um, it's okay if Ukraine loses. Now, they're going to show that they are passionate and 
emotionally connected to the Ukrainian people. They think it's horrible what's taking place. They think it's horrible what's happening in the cities. The shelling of evacuation routes, the shelling of towns and cities, cutting off travel paths and, and food routes, escalating their targeting of citizens the way Putin did in Syria, the way Putin did with the Chechnyans, because this is what he does. And I, and I hear these people, and I watch these people. It's terrible what's happening to Ukraine, and it's terrible what's happening to these people. And that's about it. They talk about the Ukrainian people being brave people, that they're putting up a bigger fight than Putin must have imagined, that Putin bit off more than he can chew, but it's only a matter of time. And then they're done, and they go off eat their apples and their cookies in the green room or during a break on radio or what have you. I think, what kind of fools are we dealing with in this country? And that any step that is taken, significant step, that may change the perceived and expected outcome of this war, that is that Ukraine may actually hold Russia to a uh, neutral situation or actually may push them back is unimaginable. And certainly we shouldn't participate in that. Because if the Ukrainians are able to actually own their, uh, hold their own or push back the Russians with assistance from us, well then, Russia might get angry and shoot nukes at us. Now, some of you who are old enough have a, seems to me, responsibility to speak out against what you're hearing. The old Soviet Union had a lot of nuclear weapons. A lot of nuclear weapons. And we took them on through satellite battles all over the world. In virtually every continent. As they did us. as they did us. They supported the Nicaraguan communists. They supported the Bolivian communists, of course, originally the Cuban communists, and more. And more. They supported the communists in Angola. We supported the other side, the freedom fighters in Nicaragua, the freedom fighters in Bolivia. We supported the freedom fighters in Angola. We also supported efforts to, with the Northern Alliance, among others, to take out Russia and Afghanistan, to bleed them dry, which we did. All over the Middle East, all over Asia, the United States and the Soviet Union. Reagan said we can have victory over the Soviet Union. And the same mentality you're hearing now was said back then by the elitist establishment, which pretends not to be the elitist establishment, which pretends to be America Firsters. But they're not. They're the elitist establishment. That sounds like the elitist establishment. Reagan came in and broke up that whole mindset. He said, no, we're going to push back. Whether it's Libya or Afghanistan, whether it's Angola, whether it's in our own hemisphere, we're going to push back. We're going to open up areas where we're going to press and take the offense. And that's what we did. Didn't lead to a nuclear war. Russia invaded Afghanistan. They paid a horrendous price, 100,000 casualties. And we can go on and on. But the idea that Russia invades Ukraine and doesn't expect the United States to do more than it's done is really idiotic. I want to bring you up to speed on the latest breaking news about these MiG-29s that Poland does in fact want to provide Ukraine. Poland, which is far more exposed than we are, than France is, than England is, than Germany is, they're right on the damn border. And God knows how many times they've been invaded. 
Poland wants to give MiG-29s, send them to our air base in Germany, and then Germany can provide those planes to the Ukrainian pilots, but they want to have those planes replaced with F-16s or some, some equivalent. Turns out we don't have enough F-16s, ladies and gentlemen. Did you know that? I hadn't known that. I mean, I, you can assume that we're underfunding the military, so these things are occurring. So when it comes directly to our own defense, we don't have enough F-16s. I know they're older, and they're kind of being rolled out of the system, but they're still the core to our air attack system, the F-16s. There are others, don't get me wrong, other types of jets. That's number one. Number two, why wouldn't we provide these jets? It turns out the United States and NATO have not said yes, and in fact, the Pentagon spokes idiot who was involved in the disaster with Afghanistan, he said, very unlikely, we fear direct conflict. There is no direct conflict. What they fear is Putin. What they fear is his propaganda. What they fear is Putin saying, okay, now you're allowing them to use MiG-29s. Well, they're not our 29s. They're Poland's. We didn't even build them. The Russians did. So every effort at effectively empowering the Ukrainian freedom fighters to defend their country and their families and their lives is now said to be an escalation. I, Hannity, Lindsey Graham have talked about taking out Putin. Others have as well. That's an escalation. But he's free to take out the president of Ukraine or anybody else he wants to take out. And so I just want people in this country to understand if you're embracing these arguments, you're embracing what will ultimately be then the genocide of the Ukrainian people. Because to say out of one side of your mouth this is a horrible thing, it needs to be stopped, it ought to be addressed, the Ukrainian people are great people, they're proud people, to give examples of heroism that's taking place, to show the photos of what's happening to these cities, how they're being bombed out, and on and on and on, and then to say, but we really can't do too much under the scent. Rifles and pistols, you know, maybe some drones. And then these same people say, why is this 40-mile caravan? Why isn't it attacked? What's the problem? Attack for what? They don't have enough drones. They don't have enough javelins. And they're asking for MiGs so they can straight the hell out of it and knock it out. Well, you know, Putin's mentioned nuclear war. Lavrov has mentioned nuclear war, his uh, foreign ambassador, his foreign affairs uh, minister, rather. As I said here yesterday, and I said on Hannity last night, and I said on Levin TV, if Putin wanted to launch a nuclear missile, what's stopping him? Well, mutual assured destruction. Okay, that's always stopping him. In other words... If his mindset, if he's so deranged that he's willing to use a nuclear missile, why wait? Why not use it now? Why not use it now? Rather than have your army have some setbacks on its way to quote-unquote victory. Why not use it now? Because he doesn't want to use it now. He never wants to use it. These people are narcissists. They're not interested in what the history books say about them. They're interested in power today and tomorrow and the next day. Because if they don't hold power, they're going to get killed. There's many people in the closets with stilettos just waiting to cut this guy's throat. Generals, intelligence uh, officials, mafia, oligarchs, the same type of people that he has killed. Part of the problem is the people who are commenting have literally no knowledge of what they speak. None. That's not to say I'm perfect. 
I'm not. Ask anybody. But that's not the point either. The point is that this is not how you respond to a genocidal murder who seeks to blow out the Ukrainian people. That's what he's doing. You know what he's doing to quote the inane Joe Biden? You know what he's doing? He's trying to destroy Ukraine from the bottom up and the middle out. You ever hear Biden talk about that when it comes to the economy, Rich? Makes no sense. Nobody knows what he, bottom up, middle out. What's this mean? It's a fortune cookie phrase that Biden remembers. But militarily, when you're talking about attacking a population, attacking a country, attacking these families and these kids and these schools and these hospitals, unprovoked, utterly unprovoked, Ukraine doesn't even have a nuclear weapon. They gave them up in a deal in 1994, as I have explained to the world. Here's the thing. Putin takes that effectively, and he wants to destroy Ukraine from the bottom up and the middle out. He's attacking the population centers. He's trying to cut off the food convoys. He's shelling the so-called evacuation routes that he already agreed to. He's trying to force the hand of the government to surrender by destroying the people they represent, as many as humanly possible, by uprooting them, by creating millions and millions of refugees, by attacking their hospitals and their schools, by starving them to death, by cutting off clean water. That's what he's doing. That's what he's done before. And what you're getting from so-called analysis on TV and radio and in writing is, God, this is just terrible, but we have to be careful. Why? Nobody's sending sound, ground troops. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying a no-fly zone for NATO or America. We're saying give them the tools they need to defend themselves. Why don't we want them to win? Why don't we want them to take out as many t- tanks and airplanes and Russian troops as possible why don't we want this to end in ukraine rather than spread through nato isn't that a good thing why don't we want to send a signal to xi in china and the islamo nazis in tehran and elsewhere in the world isn't that a good thing isn't that how you stop war isn't that how you prevent world wars of course it's exactly what you do when we come back oil we're going to cut off Russian oil. We're going to cut off Russian oil, and the Democrats are warning us that the price is going to go up as a result. Well, what about the other half? Producing American oil. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. If corporate America, if athletes in these professional athletic leagues, the American media, all the organizations, all the individuals arrayed to attack the state of Georgia, after the Republicans dared to pass even a more liberal voting system than existed before the pandemic, boycotted Georgia, tried to destroy the economy of Georgia, if you will, used BDS against Georgia. Wouldn't it be wonderful if these same entities would do the same to Russia and to Putin? Has anybody heard anything from LeBron James about Putin in Russia? Anything? How about Oprah Winfrey? Anybody heard anything? How about the gaggle of goons and goofballs that pretend to be journalists at the Constipated News Network and MSLSD? Hmm? Wouldn't it be great 
if the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and the Slimes and the past special pleaders for Stalin and Hitler and Castro, oh yeah, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if they spent as much time trashing Putin and his government as they did Trump and his administration? Instead, the Democrat Party and the American media used Russia as a foil to try and take out our elected president. They used him to try and take out our president. I want you to listen to Joe Biden in 2019, about two and a half years ago, not that long ago. Hat tip rumble, cut to go. It's going to take a hell of a lot of work to make up for all the damage he's done internationally and nationally. His network of thugs and co-conspirators are going to continue to try to undermine our democracy in the meantime. Imagine what he can do in another year. Imagine what can happen in Ukraine. This is the biggest punk to ever be in the Oval Office. And we've all been punked too. Joe Biden. The biggest phony fraud to ever serve in that office. The biggest empty suit to ever serve in that The dumbest human being to ever serve in that office. The media and the Democrat Party and his family gave us him. And now look what he's done. Look what he's done to our country. Look what he's done to other countries. Afghanistan. Ukraine. Now, I, mean, I understand the Taliban and Putin. Nobody's. I'd take second seat to nobody on this stuff. But these things didn't occur under Trump, did they? Which is why over at MSLSD, the backbenchers, they have to keep attacking Trump when they bring these issues up rather than the current commander in chief, such as he is. Vladimir Zelensky is a very courageous and brave man. Very few people would do what he's doing. He and his family are remaining in Kiev. You think Biden would do that? I don't think so. Think Obama would have done that? No, no way. Trump, I think he would. But here we are, Vladimir Zelensky, in an address to his nation last night, translated. Cut three, go. According to the information we have, the enemy has marked me as target number one, my family as target number two. They want to damage Ukraine politically by destroying the head of state. I find it remarkable, I'm listening to some people on cable and elsewhere today, who seem to forget what they said the day before yesterday and the day before that. It's really appalling and shocking that people aren't held to account for the comments that they make. I don't mean fired or necessarily that sort of thing, but challenged. Some of the people who wondered why we were involved at all, Ukraine's not our business. What do we care about Ukraine? They've completely genuflected, and today they're asking why we didn't muscle up Ukraine with more weaponry over the course of the past many months. Have you heard these people, Mr. Producer? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Here is more of Zelensky from today. Cut for go. The Prime Minister Shmihal is here. The party leader is here. The head of the president's administration is here, and obviously the president's here. All of us are here. Our military are here. Our civil servants are here, defending our independence and our state. And we mean to keep it that way. Glory to our allies. Glory to Ukraine. This man, this man will go down in history one way or another. He will be remembered by freedom movements and freedom fighters for centuries. For centuries. 
he will be remembered. Biden will be remembered too for failing to help him in any way he could short of sending infantry. The various Tokyo Roses in the media, they'll be remembered too. The video, the audio, the written word, they'll be remembered too. And so 50 to 100 years from now when people say, how did this happen? As they look back on the Holocaust and other genocides, they'll see how it happened. The same way the others happened. By good people failing to speak out and stand up. It's been an appalling expose of certain of these people, certain of these organizations, certain of these networks and corporations. It's easy to trash America from a basketball court or a football field or an ESPN studio. It's easy to trash America from the caucus of the Democrat Party in the House of the Senate. It's easy to trash America from the studios of CNN and MSNBC and the buildings of the New York Times and so forth and so on. That's a freebie. But going into these countries where these genocidal dictators and Marxists mean business, that's a little harder, isn't it? And yet we find, it's certainly in the early stages, so many of these individuals, these American Marxists and so forth, embrace them. But not just them. The phony American nationalists and populists do exactly the same thing. Oh, and how fast we forget Justin Trudeau up north. Mr. Dictator. We have uh, Petro Poroshenko. He's the former Ukrainian president on CNN Today. Cut five, go. We don't have any heavy artilleries. We don't have a tanks. We don't have an armed personal carrier because we launched this process just a couple of days ago. But And we create that for the two days. This is the long line of the people who want to enlist it in the battalion, but we don't have enough arms for that. And this is the only limit why the civil defense, the normal, ordinary people, sometimes never been in the army, staying in line now to join us. This is... Uh, uh, extremely touchable and extremely great demonstration how uh, Ukrainian people hate Putin and how we are against Russian aggression. This is very clear. How long do you think you can hold out? Forever. I think that the Putin never will uh, catch Ukraine despite, uh, no, no matter how many soldiers he has, how many missiles he has, how many nuclear weapons he has. We, Ukrainian, are free people with a great European future. This is definitely like that. Now, you folks understand that he puts a target on his forehead. This is the former president of Ukraine, the current president of Ukraine. These are great leaders. Despite the propaganda wing in our own media, these are great men. These are great leaders. They know they're outgunned. You heard what he said. We don't have tanks. Folks, they have no Air Force to speak of. Insignificant. They had nuclear weapons. As I educated the conservative movement, my friends on Fox, my friends in talk radio, over the past few months, the Budapest memorandum, even the media weren't talking about it. The Ukrainians gave up their nukes. Now, that'll never happen again. You've heard them talk about this on talk radio. Where do you think they get this stuff from? Further, says the former Ukrainian president, Petro Poroshenko, cut six, go. Deal with Putin like with a man of the lost reason. And he's just, he's just simply mad. He's just simply crazy. He's just simply evil to come here to kill Ukrainian. Ukrainian who is, we lost now about 130 Ukrainian soldiers. That's exactly why we shall secure Ukraine today and to support Ukrainian withstand tomorrow. 
I have a feeling that I am specific target of the Russian for already eight years. And uh, uh, this is, uh, me is just a symbol. We are not afraid of them. And uh, just now, while we are here, we have a report from our civil defense that in a five minutes we will have a Russian bomber in the center of Kiev. And uh, we have a, a bomb shelter uh, right 100 meters from here. But uh, I'm not going to interrupt our, uh, our interview because the information war which Putin made against Ukraine is the part of the hybrid war he do against us for the eight years. The Russians are going to uh, send many of their special forces, the argument is, into, uh, into the capital city. And uh, they're going to take their uniforms off and put on civilian clothing hoping that the the armed forces there, as well as the citizenry, don't know who is who. And in that confusion, they hope to, uh, to make great advances tonight. Kira Rudik is a member of the Parliament of Ukraine. Cut seven, go. If the Russians are, in fact, pushing in here from the north to where you are in the city center, how long do you think you in the city can resist? Look, I really do believe in Ukrainian army. I've been supporting it for eight years, and I'm a member of parliament and the leader of the party. It is my duty to be here. I understand it's like the, the events are happening very close to where I am right now, but I'm armed and I have my uh, crew armed, and we have a couple of um, sets of people with territorial defense who are also armed and who will uh, who will fight for every inch of Ukrainian soil right now, of Kiev soil, not to let uh, the Russians in. There is lots of disinformation coming in and out. So we, uh, we are very careful with what we hear now and what we can or cannot confirm. I know that there are fights right now at the north of the city, and uh, members of my team are going in there right now to support our troops and help them fight. Uh, help them not to let Russians into the center of the city. I listened to this woman, these courageous people, and I asked myself, America, that summer two summers ago when you watched the rioting and the burning, when you heard the hate for our own country and our founding and our freedom, the hate for our economic system, the hate for our police force and our military, lies about our history, the racism being spread by groups like Black Lives Matter and others, embraced by large corporations, including broadcast companies, their names painted on the streets by Democrat Party mayors and so forth. I wonder, do you think half the country would fight to the last man or woman to defend this country? I think about half would, mostly from the red states, a handful from the blue states. But I think we'd be fighting this foreign enemy, and on our backs, we'd have to be looking over our shoulders for the American Marxists, their BDS movement, and all the rest of it. I really believe this. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. A couple of interesting points as I open the program here. I want to reiterate something because it's becoming more and more apparent that our government, that our Defense Department, that our State Department, that our Commander-in-Chief, are afraid that if Ukraine is able to stalemate Russia or even defeat Russia in any effective way, then Putin might use nukes. Therefore, the thinking goes, we can provide minimum support to Ukraine, minimal support, just enough to make it clear that we're supporting our, our allies in Ukraine, but not enough where they can effectively really take out the Russian army. 
And so the Ukrainians are going to have to continue to suffer. They're going to have to continue to die. The Russians are free to commit atrocities and war crimes, which they are doing as I speak. They hit a maternity ward today. Maternity ward. Because Putin doesn't give a damn. He didn't give a damn when his surrogates in Syria used mustard gas against the people there. Didn't care about that in the least. He didn't give a damn when they blew out the Chechnyans under another pretext that he manufactured, slaughtering the civilians. He could care less. And yet, it's a very strange situation. Many of the people now who are, who've come to the position that he's unstable, that he's a monster, that he's a war criminal, some of them were once Putinites, claiming that we were instigating Putin, that we were provoking Putin. Of course, Biden left him open. He left the door wide open for Putin to attack, given what he did in Afghanistan and all the signals he sent Putin about his weakness and all the things he wouldn't do. But now we're having to listen to arguments or analysis on radio, on TV, and the media generally by retired lieutenant colonels, among others, that we cannot allow the Ukrainians to win. We cannot allow the Ukrainians to effectively defend themselves, even though they're a strong and brave people. I heard Petraeus effectively say this today. Because you don't know what Putin might do in response. He's so angry. U.S. spy chiefs say Putin may escalate despite Ukraine. This is Reuters. Leaders of U.S. spy agencies said on Tuesday that Russian President Vladimir Putin may intensify the assault on Ukraine despite military setbacks and economic hardships revolting from international sanctions setting up an ugly next few weeks. Our analysis... Our analysts assess that Putin is unlikely to be deterred by such setbacks and instead may escalate. Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines told the annual House of Reps Intelligence Committee hearing on worldwide threats, where she testified with other intelligence agency directors. She said, with tensions so high, there's always the potential for unintended escalation. Unintended escalation means providing the Ukrainians with the ability to defend themselves. Apparently that's what it means. Haynes said Putin's announcement that he was elevating his nuclear forces readiness was unusual, but intelligence analysts had no observed changes in Russia's nuclear posture beyond what was detected during previous international crises. We also have not observed force-wide nuclear posture changes that go beyond what we've seen in prior moments Fight and tension, she said. Director of the CIA, William Burns, echoed her assessment that Russia is unlikely to back down. I think Putin is angry and frustrated right now. He's likely to double down and try and grind down the Ukrainian military with no regard for civilian casualties. Burns said he and CIA analysts do not see how Putin can accomplish his goal of taking Kiev and replacing President Zelensky's government with a pro-Moscow or puppet leadership. He said, I fail to see how he can produce that kind of an endgame where that leads, I think, is for an ugly next few weeks in which he doubles down with scant regard for civilian casualties. Burns also said China's leaders are unsettled by events surrounding the assault on Ukraine, despite refusing to uh, condemn Russia or call the attack an invasion. They did not anticipate the significant difficulties the Russians were going to run into, I think they're unsettled by the reputational damage that can be done by their close association with Putin. Second, by the economic consequences at a moment when they're facing lower annual rates. While these intelligence heads are so off the mark that Xi just announced he's going to be providing economic support to Russia. 
So within hours, they got it wrong. They've got it wrong. Lieutenant General Scott Barrier, Director of Defense Intelligence Agency, said his low-confidence assessment was two to 4,000 Russian troops have been killed. In other words, he has no idea. Tell me, how many civilians have been killed in Ukraine? Do we know? Do we even get estimates of that? I haven't seen any of you, Mr. Producer. How many people is Putin slaughtering? How come we're not getting any numbers? How come we're not getting any questions about that to Pasaki or anybody else? Isn't that relevant? So, in addition to what I think is a very important point, I want to underscore it from the other day, that people are now effectively saying, you cannot allow Ukraine to win, you cannot allow Ukraine to even have a stalemate with the Russians because Putin might use nukes out of anger. Now, how insane is that? That means you really don't give a damn about the Ukrainians, and so be it. 44 million people down the drain, right? That is an outrageous thought process. And yet more and more people are coming to the point that I believe I first raged last week. I raised it early mid-last week, Mr. Producer. Then we later heard Lindsey Graham, and I endorsed his position, which was what, Mr. Producer? That they ought to take out Putin, right? And I had on my program last Sunday, just a few days back, the former commander of British forces in Afghanistan for a period of time, retired Colonel Richard Kemp, who said, well, why wouldn't we try and take him down or have somebody else take him down and support their efforts? That's done in virtually every war. But Petraeus is out there saying, look, this is different this time because he is nukes. Really? Did nukes just show up today? Is that right? Where's this guy been? I thought he was a general. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Putin needs to be taken out. He needs to be taken out. Because if it is the position of the experts, the generals and the intel agencies, that he is not allowed to lose, that there's not allowed to be a stalemate because this guy's lost his mind and he'll press the button, then he needs to be taken out. And while you can criticize Lindsey Graham for many things, you cannot criticize him for this. And he's asked to come on the program, and he will be on the program in hour three, not to discuss judges and other issues, to discuss this issue. As you know, I don't always agree with Lindsey Graham, but when credit is deserved, credit is deserved. He's a senator who has spoken out publicly, not behind the scenes. You have these people say what's happened in Ukraine is horrific. What's happening to these people is horrific. Well, let's help them get make 29. No, we can't do that. That may uh, escalate and instigate. Oh. Well, maybe if the Russian people or the people around Putin would take him out, that would be a good thing. That would be that that might bring this to an No, that may instigate and escalate. What exactly are you saying? That no effective way to box in Putin is acceptable because it might instigate and escalate. That is essentially what the Biden government is saying. That's essentially what the talking heads are saying in Washington and New York. That's essentially what the the script writers for the remaining pathetic newspapers in this country are writing, and that's what they want you to believe. Don't believe it. And yet, if it's true, more the reason that Putin needs to be taken out. And you also heard on Life, Liberty, and Levin, James Carafano, as well as on this radio program, Make the point, you cannot look at these countries, that is, Iran, China, and Russia, individually. Bifurcate one from the other. And what did China do today? Demonstrated the point perfectly. They're coming in behind Russia to assist Russia. So you've heard talking heads say, China's the greatest threat. That needs to be our focus. Forget about Russia. What do we care about, Kiev? These people are dumber than rocks. The Putin wing of the Republican Party, the Putin wing of the media, 
Biden, his party, stupid as hell. In my humble opinion, of course. Meanwhile, the Russians are committing atrocities. And they are committing war crimes, and they're going to do more. Even our own government says they're going to do more. The Ukrainian people want to fight. Well, Mark, there's millions of refugees. Yeah, women and children. Hand-to-hand combat breaks out on streets of Kiev suburb, New York Post. Hand-to-hand combat has broken out on the streets of the Kiev suburb of Irpin, which has been devastated by relentless Russian bombing and shortages of food, water, and electricity. There's real street fighting now, Ukrainian paratrooper named Stas told AFP, the French press agency. In some places, there's actual hand-to-hand combat. The paratrooper, who did not provide his full name, said the Russians have staged a huge column, 200 men, 50 light-armored vehicles, several tanks in the small town. And they're showing you images of what they've done to this town. They've obliterated it. The city's almost ruined. The district where I'm living, it's like there are no houses which were not bombed, a young mom told Reuters while she was holding a baby. The older people, those who cannot use their feet, they remain. They can't leave. They're still hoping to be saved, she said to the town's elders, adding that everyone able to walk has fled. Residents said constant attacks have made living in the town hell. Ukrainian actor turned soldier. Pasha Lee was killed in action Mark 6 in a Russian shelling in Irpin. The Russians are positioning themselves in residential buildings, apartments, shops. Soldier Konstantin Lakamatsky told AFP after that they started shooting exclusively at civilians. This is my third war, but this never used to happen. No one shot at civilians back then. They're trying to pick off the civilian population. 